to talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. everybody to the KIRP radio show. I'm your host, Pudgy Miller, host of the most, the host that can hardly talk, and the host I'm sure you guys are wondering, who is this chipmunk on the air right now? But you guys know what it is, man. It's football season, and it is what it is. 
Got to give a B.I.G. shout-out to all my listeners out there in North and South Carolina. I see you guys. First and foremost, I got to give a shout-out to my Green Level Trojans, my Little League team, uh, who played their butts off in this horrible weather uh, on Saturday down here in North Carolina. So shout-out to my team out there. Shout-out to all the parents who dedicate themselves to making it happen. And, uh, you know, shout-out to the coaches who take the time out of their life, the time out of their days, uh, to mentor these kids, to help do homework with these kids, to coach these kids, not only in sports or football and, and team building and leadership, but also in life. Uh, a lot of the lessons that we teach these children are lessons that they'll be able to take with them, you know, for the remainder of their lives and use it some kind of way. Uh, and that's why I do it. So shout out to my brother, Rashad Woods, Loving Father Society, Coach Sturgis, Coach Perkins, uh, Coach Richmond. And, and and all the rest of the staff out there, man, you guys are wonderful. I appreciate your help. Love and Father Society definitely salutes you. Uh, folks, you know, at this time of the year, I always try to get guest host. And uh, I had to call on some help because, frankly, I, didn't, I don't think I could have made it through this show this evening and to be able to talk to you guys and everybody understand what's really going on. Uh, with my voice. So I, when, when I call on some help, I don't just call on uh, any old body, right? So because I'm special and, and I know special people. Yeah, I'm special if y'all ain't know. And if you don't think I'm special, my mama thinks I'm special, and that's all that matters. But anyway, uh, when I call on help, I call on the big guns, not, not the little guns. I call on the big dogs, right? So I, I try to call on people who, who, who really matter in life. Uh, not some flaming crazy liberal, and, and I do have some of those in my family and, and, and in my Rolodex as friends, phone lists and whatnot, and whatnot. But anyway, I try to call on the big dogs. I try to call on people who are inspiring, right? I try to call on people who are the leaders of not only today, but the leaders of tomorrow, okay? I try to call on people who are jet setters, right, who jumps on that red eye, and flies back down on the early morning flight, you know, who, who are trailblazers, who goes near and far preaching the same message that, message that we talk about right here on this show, but not only on the radio, the same message that we talk about in the community, the people who are doers and not just sayers. So allow me to introduce you to someone who has held this show down many times, many, many, many nights. And I'm sure a lot of you guys fell in love with that. I've seen your messages. I've, I've, I've heard what you've said. I've seen where you guys just love this woman. And she happens to be a little sister to me. And I always add that little part because I'm an old head. You know how the old heads do. That's my little man, whatever. But uh, welcome to the show, none other than the amazing Sonny Johnson. Sonny, what's up? What's up, bro? You got me over here cheesing. Every time I come on the show. We got to big you up like that because everybody knows who Sonny is, right? Everybody hear your speeches. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me go in on you real quick. Like, people know who Sonny is. They hear you. They, they, they love your personality. They love your passion, your fire. They love your, your energy. They also love how smart you are, how brilliant you are. I can't even go smart because I've, I've read some things you wrote. I've listened to some of your, your spoken word. I've listened to some of your stories. And it's just, that's just brilliance. You got to call it what it is. You can't be a hater 
and, and, and you know, a lot of times people are haters. But anyway, uh, people know how brilliant you are, but Sonny, you don't big yourself up enough, I don't think. Uh, personally speaking, I, I have not. This is why I like Jigger, right? I, th- one of the reasons I like Jay Z is because he was the underdog. He came up. People didn't like the way he rapped, but he kept doing it his way. He had a plan. He kept telling people, "I'm not a rapper. I just can't rap. I'm going to use this and move on to something else." I see that in you, and I hear that in you, but you don't have that cockiness yet, right? That, that, you that, know that, what? I, I think, Hey, you know, you know, you know how we connect. You know what our connection is, right? So let me yeah. tell you, let me tell you something. You know the role you done played in my life. You always that one that's like poking me with that. You ain't cocky enough. You ain't okay. Well, tomorrow or the next day, I don't even know whether it's gonna be Monday or Tuesday, but one of those days, you're gonna see how cocky I'm getting, and I blame yeah. it all okay. on you. So when it comes out. And I'm not going to even say exactly what it is. I'm just going to say, when it comes out, you read it and you know it's your fault. And, and, and when that. you read it, you're going to specifically see the lines in it that you're going to know come straight from you. And there you go. And, and all of this, when it, when it comes out in the end, they're going to have no one to blame but you. And that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to be like, blame P. It's his fault. But in the meantime, in between time, let me twist it around. While you thanking people, while you thanking everyone that helps you and um and encourages you to um with the boys, let me take a minute to focus on you because I was sitting there thinking I was writing a piece today about about alpha males and what it means to be an alpha male. Now, if you don't follow P on Twitter, unfollow um, KIRP Radio Show on Facebook, and see this man's schedule. He is a husband. He is a father. He he has a full-time job. He coaches two football teams. He is renovating his house by hand. And he wakes up every single Monday morning telling us we run Monday. And I I look forward to it every single Monday just to read it and just to get that reminder. The beginning of the week is just another start to slaughtering all those who stand against us. And I see it every Monday morning. So while you want to big me up, and I, I'm getting used to taking it, and you notice I ain't fight you on it this time. No, I'm going to also make sure like I big <laughs> you up, my brother, and say the things I want to thank you for are things I have no business thanking you for because you're a grown-ass man and take care of your business. That's what you're supposed right. to do. But what I want right. to thank you for is letting the world see it. <laughs> I want to oh, thank wow. you for posting about it for putting your pictures up, for putting the good, for putting the bad, for putting the discipline, for putting the lessons through your Facebook, we get to see an alpha male in motion. So if you're not following Pudgy on Facebook, follow him on Facebook and follow KRP on Facebook and watch this man and what he does because we can take this model and show men this is what a man looks like. I think we're going to have a lot of success in all we do. So big up to you, big bruh. That's crazy. I appreciate it. I got, I got, uh, Nat just flew in my eye a little bit. I appreciate that love right there. 
And, um, you know, this is life. You know, it has to be done, so we got to do it. Yo, Sonny, I, 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 um, I was riding with the, crit, with the kids, and I don't know, I get, I'll say the Lord gave me something to tell them. I was like, we need a family crest because I always tell them, listen, don't argue, don't get mad at each other because at the end of the day, y'all only have each other. Like, we got aunts and uncles and grandma and all of them, and that's cool, but I'm telling them, you guys grow up every single day in the same house and do the exact same things together. So all this bickering and all this nonsense is just is, is, is uncalled for because if, when mom is gone, when I'm gone, y'all only have each other. So uh, we came up with a family crest in the car, and it is uh, to whom life is given, much is expected. And I just want to break it down real quick, and I'm going to get out of the way because I really wanted you to host the show and bring on someone else very special uh, tonight. But what that means is that God gives us life, and just going to the store, buying groceries is expected to do. Just going to pay a utility bill, that's expected to do. You know, growing up, taking a shower, taking the trash out, just living every single day, like those are things that we got to do no matter what if we want to continue to live, and those are things that God has given us. So we have no choice in the matter in doing that. But if you want to be great, you have to do more. And if you want to acquire things in life, if you want to achieve things in life, you have to do more. And those things are just as important as you waking up every day feeding yourself. So treat it accordingly. Don't worry about how hard it is. Don't worry about how much it is. Don't worry about the load. Don't worry about what you got to go through. Just do it because it's just life. And life is given, and there's much expected in life that's given to you. So that's what I give my kids, and that's what we're going to pass on in my family line. I'm going to get out of the way. So I want everybody to remember that. And, um, Sonny, listen, I can't talk. My voice is killing me. It's, it's really hurting to talk right now. I would appreciate it if you would host the show throughout the rest of the show. I got you, got you. Okay, so then I have to, I have to let you exit on one of these notes. You are B I. G in my book, baby. Go ahead, rest your voice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. We got a few minutes before we are going to bring in the guests. So, because it's a big sports day, I guess we're going to jump right in and say, okay, look, I am a Dallas Cowboy fan, right? And let me tell you, and I'm glad, P, and P, do not unmute your phone now and think that your voice can magically come back. I was actually hoping that the Panthers would lose. I was, like, praying that the Panthers would lose. So when I came on this show and I had to talk about my Cowboys and how bad they got spanked today, that P wouldn't be able to say anything because his Panthers had got equally spanked. But that's not the case. So, yeah! <laughs> I knew he was going to do something. But outside of that, I'm not going to talk about Dallas. I want to talk about real quick a principle that I learned. And it's, it's a simple one. And I'm going to use Dallas to explain this principle. And then we're going to um, bring the guest in. But I want this principle really understood, okay? Here it goes. Don't lie to yourself. It's really that simple. All my friends who are Dallas fans in the last two weeks or so have been like, I'm so excited for this year. It's going to be different this year. We're going to, and every single time I looked at every single one of them and said, stop lying to yourself. 
I said, you, you are setting yourself up for a fall. So in the beginning of the Dallas Cowboys game today, I put out a very simple tweet. I am a Cowboys fan. I will remain a Cowboys fan. But I start this season with a broken heart because I know the Cowboys. And if you watch what happened in this Cowboys game, I was not mad. I was not throwing my remote control at the TV. I was not cursing or saying, next game, we're going to really get them. No, because I didn't lie, I didn't lie to myself in the beginning. I knew they were going to lose. I knew they were going to get spanked. They were playing against Kaepernick and the 49ers. You lied to yourself. The funny part is, if you can lie to yourself about something so simple as a football game, take notice to what you're lying about in the rest of your life. Because the moment you start lying to yourself about the little things is the moment that the big things become very, very, very easy to lie to yourself about. So when your money starts going bad, your weight starts going up or down, whatever it is, there's always a reason for it. Don't be the one that lies to yourself instead of tackling the problem at hand. <laughs> and that's what I got out of watching Dallas today, but I also think that it is a very something very, very important that um that I wanted to share with y'all because it was very funny. If y'all had Facebook or Twitter, y'all saw them people responding like they actually thought Dallas was gonna beat the forty ers It was freaking hilarious to watch. So I wanted to bring, I thought this was the time that um, my guest was going to come in. But if he's not in at the moment, then I'm going to jump to another subject that I can't help myself with because it is a guilty um, pleasure of mine. This very, very, very guilty pleasure of mine comes on VH1 every Monday night. Oh, okay. Oh, all right, look, all right, we're going to bring Billy in. Okay, I called him Billy. He's going to be mad. Lawrence Billy Jones III, are you there? Can you hear me? Can oh, you hear yes, me? I can hear, yes, I can hear you now. Okay, 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 okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. We're going to talk about a bit, a bit of ratchetness for a second before Ooh. I jump into truly interviewing you because it's one more topic. It's one more topic of ratchetness I wanted to cover really, really quick. Um, but this is this is, this is my friend and new, our newest member of the Change the Game family, Lawrence Billy Jones III. And it's so funny because every time I'm introducing a black conservative, especially one that um, I know feels like, um, like the fam does and thinks like the fam does and fits in with the fam, <laughs> I always think like we need theme music for us, but I, know I always I, I try to think of what would be like the appropriate theme music. So uh, every time I picture the Dave Chappelle, uh, the Dave Chappelle skit, right, where the, uh, he had the uh, he had the nigger family and they was white, and it's like da 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 da. So I was thinking the perfect theme song for us would go something like. Oreo, Uncle Tommy, the black conservative. <laughs> what you think about it? See, that would rock, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, hey, so, I'm telling so you, I that would rock. I think we got to do that. 
Shovel Rock, if every time one of us came on, that'd be our theme song. I mean, just think about how fast it will repel the left from ever using or calling us any of those names again. That's what I'm talking about, Sonny. I've been telling you, we got to start embracing this. we got to start embracing this. I know. See, that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to put something in place, and that's going to be our theme music whenever we walk in, and people are going to be looking at us like we're crazy. Okay, look, <laughs> I have one guilty pleasure, okay? Okay, okay. And I don't know if you follow on this. If you don't, I won't force you to comment, but if you do, this is the worst ratchetness I have ever seen in my lifetime, and it comes on cable TV, I think Monday night, is Love and Hip Hop. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, look, it is my guilty pleasure. I just posted the video of her singing with her uh, her dishes fell out. So you can can find that on You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. The reunion show. Oh, God. Did you see the reunion show? Okay. Yeah, I saw the reunion. Which one? The first part when they all broke out fighting or the second? When they all broke out fighting. Okay, then this is how ratchet society is. Good because Lord. of what Stevie J, and if you don't watch um, hip-hop in Atlanta, or hip, love and hip-hop Atlanta, don't start, okay? Because I don't, don't. want you to rot any don't. brain cells that you currently have. I So I got addicted, and it's like my it's my reality drug of choice. Okay, it's, it's, it's like the it's only depressing. one that I am addicted to watching. But it was so ratchet, and they're fighting, and the way oh my goodness, the way CVJ and Jocelyn were acting was completely out of this world. The, but here's they the rub: acting human. Yeah, here's the rub: now they're getting their own spinoff because of their ratchetness. Oh, my God. Okay! (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's been revealed, well, at least it's been alleged, that both Jocelyn and Stevie are hooked on coke. Um, You just saw a couple of weeks ago, Stevie was arrested because he owes a million dollars in back child support. What? Benzino is threatening to release Stevie's financial records, which basically shows he is at near bankruptcy. And all this ratchetness gets gets rewarded with a spinoff. Tell me how ratchetness works. It it is, but it's kind of sad, too, because, you know, I really thought Benzino and Stevie, they were kind of close. I really did think they were close. And I believe Jocelyn has just, Totally. She has wrecked out. She has wrecked out. See, that's but all right. Look. <laughs> look, I don't, I, I'm trying to validate and try to give it some reason that I can actually have intellectually that makes me want to watch this show. And it's, like, really impossible. I, I don't have a reason except I just really love them. And so I right, watch right. it. You know what I'm saying? But... When this is what is rewarded, you know what I'm saying. And, and right, I don't, right. I don't, I don't like free. I don't want. I love free speech, so I'm not more of a shut it down. They don't need to play these anymore because I'd be mad if my love of hip hop disappeared. But 
doesn't this also include why we need to move into the cultural realm and start re- right. um, creating our own form of reality? Because if this well, is what passes as average black behavior, then we're in a losing battle. The the problem comes into play is is that this is to me. I feel like this is just pure entertainment. I mean. Basically, everybody does it, but the fact of the matter is that people perception of black people, this is what they're getting right here. This is what they feel about us is because shows like this, you know, so. Yeah, and that's it. And then that's what I asked. I was on a I was on a, a, a radio show a couple of weeks ago, and I asked my my friend uh, Will Cow. And I asked them um, about that. And I was like, Aaron, every time I'm around, like, conservatives who tell me they like hip-hop, right? And I was like, okay. And then when we get by ourselves, they play, like, booty shaking, you know what I'm saying, pop live, drop it. They, you know, that's I'm not like, real hip-hop. That's not that, that's not, that, I was like, that is what progressives put on the radio and you look at as hip-hop. And then when I put on something with actual lyric intent, something that's something that's deep and got some meaning to it, they look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, cause at, and, you know, to me, when I, when I think about Tupac, he was a politician. I mean, some of the stuff that he talked about, he was an activist. I mean, there was real lyrics in it. But with, with, besides J. Cole and a couple of you, you're not going to see it in that many other hip-hop artists. You like J. Cole? I'm a fan of J. Cole. I'm a fan like of J. Cole. I like J. Cole, too. I, li- I like J. Cole, too, from all the way back from the mixtape, you know. So I, I, I was following him back with the mixtapes. Okay, you know what? We're going to use that transition to actually yeah. go into introducing you because most a lot of um you're new to KRP radio. You're gonna be um working with us at my um my new project at Change the Game. So we you know, I told you we have to go through this courting phase where I get to know you. So I figure right. and I told you before that I have four levels that I always focus on. And that's yeah. hip hop, history, he and which one am I missing? Hip-hop, history, and hood, which means the community, okay? Right, right, So right, I got right. four questions, one along each line, and I want to answer it because I figure I can figure out everything about you when you answer these four questions. You ready? <laughs> okay. All right, let's see. All right. Now, um, my favorite person or event in the Bible is when Jesus meets Peter, and he says, come with me and be a fisher of men. That basically changed my life because that's what I see myself as, as a fisher of men. So well, what person do you see yourself most as from from the Bible? Um, the, the, uh, when I think of myself, um, I think about Moses because Moses sometimes tried to do his own thing and then God constantly was tugging him and tugging him and tugging him. And so... You know, in the early stages of my life, I found myself wanting to do my own thing. I was raised in the church and trying to run away from my calling that God had destined for my life. God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like those people. I, you know, but when God has a calling on your life, you have to abide by that. Either you can do it willingly or by force. And so that's where I find myself is, you know, being like Moses. I have I have 
have definitely had that feeling. So don't don't feel uh, don't feel bad. That's that's like testimony right there because I've definitely oh, yeah. know that feeling. All oh, right, yeah. who is your favorite hip hop artist, and what is your favorite lyric? My favorite hip hop artist, um, Tupac is my favorite. I mean, he's not living. Um, but Dear Mama is my favorite. It is my favorite because I believe th- there was a story there, and I, for a long time, worked in the juvenile justice system, and just his that storyline of growing up, even though I had my father there, we were poor. And I remember my parents not being able to, you know, we, we lived off of scraps and just just that whole poverty sense and just trying to make it, that always relates to me. I mean, I've done projects in school and just on Dear Mama because, it's you know, I'm a mama's boy, first of all. But, um, you know, I can relate to him. I can relate to him. All right. So I, I'm a, did, did allow me to pick the lyric. Um, right. I ain't guilty because even though I sell rocks, it feels good putting money in the mailbox. I love paying rent where the rent's due. Can I pull that one? Did I lose him? Oh, that was going so well, too. I was excited. Okay, well, we'll try to see if we can get Lawrence Billy Jones III back on to the show. Um, and finish up with the questions that I had in line for him. But don't worry because you know I can talk, so I'm just going to change subject until we know where so we know we got him um, back on air. Okay, you back? I'm back, I'm back. You, you, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, okay. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe that. What, did you pick my lyric? Did you hear the lyric I picked? No, I didn't even hear the lyric. You said, okay, I'm going to give you a lyric, and then we were gone. Okay. Okay, we can pick off that. I'm going to give you a lyric, okay? All um, right. I ain't guilty because even though I sell rocks, it feels good putting money in the mailbox. In the mailbox. I love paying rent when the rent's due. <laughs> I hope you got the diamond necklace I sent you. Yes. See, and, and that's one of the quotes that I use all the time because I, I try to get conservatives especially to understand that these are the things, these are the reasons they make, these people make the decisions that they're making. They're not making it because they want to destroy. They're not making right. it because they, you know, they're making it because they see it as the only way out, and we have to be right. the people who provide the right. alternative. And I right. use that lyric constantly to um, to come across to them that that that's what the black community is actually asking I, for. I think I think what what I've experienced with conservatives and what they have a bad um, uh, problem with doing is listening and trying to get a dif- of different cultures. Everybody's culture is not the same. Uh, you know, the way they view things and the way I think they have a false sense of reality, what it is for black people in America, not just black people, but minorities. And so, you know, we're not saying when we say you maybe should listen and understand to condone the behavior, but when you understand, then you can know how to um, give them an alternative and say, you know what, I understand where you're coming from, but maybe this is a better way. 
Um, and, and I think that's the biggest disconnect. Because I, I, I get told that sometimes, well, you condone the behavior. I'm not condoning. I understand the behavior because I was in that community. Therefore, I know how to respond to it because I was there where they are. I made it out, and I want them to do the same thing. And that's the thing where it looks like, like for people like us, as we rise, mm-hmm. I think a lot of right. conservatives forget that we were there. Like, they only see us as the people we've become and not the people that we were. And that's one of the things that I always run through my spectrum is is to make sure I always look at every single subject and every single topic like I was 17. Exactly. You know, before I wised up, before I knew better, before I had reestablished my own relationship, you know, how was I then? Right, and I right. always try to remember myself. And that's what I call humbling. And that's when I that's say it. to conservatives, I wish you would humble yourself. And yeah. that's what I, I mean to put yourself in their position and look right. at it before you open your damn mouth. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, and that is so imperative. Uh, you know, Sonny, me and you, we have the opportunity to travel all across the country and speak at different groups. And one of the things that bugs me the most is that um first thing they say is, you know, look, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Well, like I told them one day when I was speaking, yes I did. Yes you do see color because all of y'all stared at me when I walked in the room because y'all were really shocked that a black man was there. And so you had never made the connections. Like, you're not colorblind. We we all see color. And I think it's offensive to say that you don't because you really do. And, you know, Sonny, we got a real bad reputation of making people uncomfortable. And I think we're in the season (laughs) right now in the conservative movement of making people uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Exactly. Until we make them uncomfortable, we will continue to get the same result. That's insanity. Yes, and that that's what the um the colorblind when I was on Hannity, I made an appearance on Hannity and I mean <laughs> this audience of of all of these black conservatives, some of them well known, some of them not so known, but movers and shakers behind the scene, right? Right, and right. all of them like, yes, we need to move. And these are black people. <laughs> we need to move past it. I'm colorblind. And I'm sitting there like, we are on a black conservative show, okay? <laughs> are you, like, joking? <laughs> it's not to the point of being colorblind. It's about seeing right. color clearly and not caring. That's and, it. That's it. That's and, and that's what... That's what I, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, Kendra, I told you it was like, I, I, I typed it up earlier when I put the post out on Facebook. It's like me and you were separated at birth. Okay, let's see, let's move <laughs> on to number three. Um, who is your favorite historical figure? Oh, man. You know, and people, people conservatives kind of hate when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Malcolm X is, you know. <laughs> Malcolm X is, you know, because for one for one reason I told people, I tell people all the time, I couldn't have survived through the civil rights movement. I wouldn't have been the Dr. King of the movement because you you would have not hidden me and lived to see another day, first of all. So I was radical. I'm kind of radical like Malcolm X. But one thing I love about Malcolm is that he has this famous speech where he talks about how the Democrats have 
have taken advantage of the black people's vote for so long. That's it. He breaks it down and so that I, I played it to young people all of all the time and just really explain to them that speech changed my perspective. And, you know, people talk about his faith and how he was a radical in the nation of Islam. They don't realize that Malcolm, as he grew, you know, he was young and he was brilliant, but he had to grow. Even though I disagree with the religion of the nation of Islam, I'm Christian. Listen, I get where Malcolm was and I saw just by reading about him, how he changed and how his life changed. And the reason why he is dead is because of the change that he made. And I, I respect him so much. I, I completely agree. I am going to find political chump, and I'm going to make sure we get that posted across all of our media. Um, just as a refresher for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is completely awesome. And one of the things that I loved about Malcolm um, was if you remove the politics of Malcolm, uh, not the politics, I'll say, I don't want to say religion because it's right. more than religion. It's, right, um, right. it's the, the political speech that's forced through. So anytime right. Elijah Muhammad tells us, Anytime, you know, those kind, those kind of things, if you remove those things, at right. the root of what X stood for was a man being the head of his household. That's it. A man being respected in his community. That's it. A man stood in defense of his community. And with those things in place, us as women were then allowed to rear our children without worrying about poverty, without worrying about violence, without worrying about, you know, the things that are, are, are in effect in most black communities today, the destruction of the family. If you have those things, if you have those things first and foremost, you have the man who is the man in the house. And then he That's is respected it. in his community. And then he defends his community. Then it gives us women the ability to rear the kids in a society where they grow up not having to go through the Tupac era. You know what I'm saying? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, I agree. I mean, you're saying eye to eye on that. Yes. So that um, that is that is how about X and I completely I um I, I completely um agree with that and X is one of my favorite um my favorite people in history as well. Okay. Now who is the most influential person in your life? So this means the person that's close to you that's that's there okay, we know you're a mama's boy. Okay. <laughs> so if you wanna give a shout out to mama. Give a quick shout out to mama, but then I want you to pick one person outside of mama and tell me who is your greatest influential person out. Okay, uh, my parents, of course, my mom and dad are the top influencers, but outside of that, who who can I say is my top influence? Um, you know what, Sonny? I, I honestly don't. I honestly can't say. Outside of my family, I don't know because I, I go through these things in my life where I have people that are in my life for a season, 
and I, I my village, our village raised me as a boy. So um, I, I would say the most influential would be um, my high school, no, my middle school principal, Miss Janice Howard, because she really planted a lot of seeds in my life and made sure I got home from school. And she still keeps up with me today. Um, but she was in my life when I was about to break down because we were in a place where I didn't understand we were in poverty, and she's the one that said, you know what, you're going to be great. Keep pushing. You know, so I, I have to say her. Okay. See, I told you you can learn a lot about a person by asking those four questions. <laughs> you, you, like, you see how much how much you got through by just those four questions. You got to, yeah. you know, you get to touch every single little aspect uh, of life of someone, so yeah. I really just, I love that. Thank you so much for playing my little game with me. Now, um, the new um, website has changed the game. It's ctghq.org, and you have an article up, the oh. elephant in the room. Okay, now, I have a tendency, like I said, and everybody knows, to talk. So this is going to be those rare, one of those rare moments where I bow out, and you tell me, what the article? What what is the elephant in the room? Right, right, right. So the elephant in the room is um, the Republicans, the GOP conservatives have a issue with real minority outreach, inclusion, engagement, whatever you want to call it. They have a problem with it. Um, and one, so let one me of the, let me ask you, ahead, me stop you real quick. Oh, do you like when they use the term outreach? No, it's offensive. It's like having a one-night stand with black voters. Okay, I just wanted to know. Continue on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean that. And I, I, I tell Tea Party groups and Republicans group all the time about that. You're having a one-night stand. I'm coming here for election time. That's what I want, your vote, and then I'm leaving. I'm, it's, it's a one-night stand with voters. And so – you know that's the that's the main problem. You just can't come into a community just looking for photo ops or just getting their votes. You got to get yourself established in the community. And so, in that article, I basically lay out my outreach, whatever engagement plan for them. Um, and basically, it goes to the core of going into the community and investing in yourself, being a part of scholarships, building community centers, teaching skills teaching people in their community how to have businesses um, and just stepping out in front and showing a genuine interest of these people as human beings, not just for their vote, because that's part of the problem. When we look at the black electorate, they don't trust the Republican Party. Um, and, you know, we haven't did a, a great job of selling ourselves. Because when I look at a lot of these homes and when I was raised in, some of the values that are taught, the majority of the values that are taught within the conservative ideology, we agree with, we stand with, but we have a messenger problem. Our message is great. We got the wrong people delivering that message. And so that article was basically to highlight uh, a couple of things that I see um, and to really be the first start to make people uncomfortable and tell them it is an issue, we recognize it, and this is what we're going to do moving forward. And that's why I'm so happy and thrilled to be a part of Change the Game, because it's truly going to change the game. 
I'm clapping in case you can't hear it. I don't have a loud, you know, you know, I don't have a loud thing, but I, I'm clapping because, um, like, for for real, for real, I say it so much that actually being able to sit back and hear someone else say it is refreshing. You know, like when the tea party exploded, they told you, you know, now you're not alone. You don't have to feel alone. Well. Yeah. I started to feel alone because right. it was like they, they're not listening, you know. Right, and, right. and now we get to a position where we're finding more of us, you know. We have right. a, a nice little team built of us. And right. um, and like Jay said, less is plenty, you know. Yeah. <laughs> less yeah. is plenty. It's enough of yeah. us to, yeah. um, to go out and do something that, and cause some damage. Oh, yeah. And... I'm going to be releasing something in the next couple of days, and I teased it earlier with Pete um, uh, about that. But I wanted to ask you this, and and you kind of gave us one earlier, but I want to see what your three are together. Um, The three things that you wish conservatives would stop saying, like it would help you out so much with your work and your activism if conservatives <laughs> would stop saying these three things. What are they? <laughs> so the first, I named one of them, and that is that the colorblind, because that that's the first that's the first lie. Okay. Um, the second thing is I wish um, conservatives would take the the labels off of just putting Obama. Um, and focus on the issues because I believe that because of the historic uh, relevance of Obama being the first black president, that when you have a discussion um, with these uh, people that you're trying to win over to our side, when you start bringing up Obama, it it pisses them off. It infuriates them because it's relevant to them. No matter if you don't understand it or not, he is the first black president, quote unquote, and that's important to them. And so I'm not part of the thing is, you know, that we did back in here in Texas is that when you go on somebody's turf, you you respect them. Like when you go in Rome, you you do it as the Romans, you know. And so in order, what I found effective is I don't bring up Obama in debates when I'm trying to win people over. I talk about the issues. Um, and then the last thing that really just burns me up is that when people people need to learn how when people call you racist how to play the game and how to deviate the worst thing that you can say is that oh but i have black friends no 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 that's not that's not that's not it you can still make racist remarks and not um have black friends one of the things that i think is the most most sickening thing is that um, because I am in the conservative movement, some of the comments that I hear are sometimes offensive, and I think I get the impression that sometimes they don't realize that I'm still black as well, and I come from those, uh, those <laughs> that that same community. And so what I find myself is, you know, gently, respectfully, with grace, correcting them and saying, okay, let me tell you, let me explain you. Hey, you see what you just said right there? That's part of the reason why we can't win, you know, because, you oh, Lawrence, but what did I say? I said, see what you said? I get it. But that's somebody else will take that very offensively. It's so counterproductive. It's counterproductive <laughs> it, it, to the movement. And yes. I, and and those are 
even though viewers might say, well, those seem very petty. Well, you know what? Those petty issues turn into something else, and it prevents us from being effective. And if we're counterproductive in any state and we can change it, we need to do that. Okay, look, let me let me give you my response to your three. Okay, sure, so you sure. know with the colorblind, you know, yeah. um, I, I say God gave God gave me the gift of seeing a color. I'm not going to pretend right. that he didn't. You know what I'm saying? Right. So stop right. it. It's right. condescending, so stop. Right. Um, there's no talking about Obama. It is very cruel. I, I, I feel the exact same way. I don't talk about Obama except in the context of where I must because right, he is right. president of the United States. And, exactly. And, he, and I have no choice but to speak to him. But that's also right. because I'm a pundit and I'm in the world of commentary. Exactly. So, exactly. so I have to. But I, I understand. Don't speak, I relate. I don't speak about Obama. But that's this it. is my rationale for not doing so is – I was broke and living in poverty before I knew the name Obama. So how do you want me to go into the black community and try to convince um, the black community that Obama is the reason for their poverty? They were in poverty long before before any of them knew the name Barack Obama. So... It's yet again another lie that you want me to walk in dripping out of my lips, and I'm not going to do that. Right, 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 right. And I have black friends, okay? (laughs) This is what I I, I have learned, okay? Now, it depends on who it is that says this. Because if white people, and I have met some white people, you can tell from the moment you meet them, they don't have a racist bone in their body because they don't care about your color. They don't care. They're not going to be nice to you because you're black. They're not going to be sweet to you or caring to you or engaging to you because you're black. They're going to be like, okay, what do you have to offer? What do you have um, to put on the table? Because they are conservative. That's it. So they don't care about what color you are. They care about what you bring to the table. And those are my favorite white people. So I'm thinking, like, we need to round up a whole group of those and take them with us. With those people that that as soon as they open their mouth, you can realize that they don't have, like, a racist bone in their body. That's it. That's it. Because people need to realize, I'm, (laughs) quite frankly, I'm not conservative because, of them or, you know, because it's, it's it's the trendy thing to do or whatever. I'm conservative because I believe in the principles. You know, I'm not I, – I, I have to have a conversation with some actors the other, other day, and I have to tell them, look, I'm not here to make friends, okay? Honestly, I'm not, okay? I'm here to complete a mission, okay? My job is I know what kept me from being a Republican for so long and was race was part of the issue. I, I, I kept saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give it a chance. But this this particular thing was the reason why I couldn't cross over. So what I'm going to do is this. First, I'm going to allow and tell black people and minorities, whatever, that you shouldn't be worried about the races that are within the conservative movement because you siding with the liberal policies is only hurting you. That's what I'm going to tell tell the minority. And then I'm going to tell the Republicans and the people that are racist and counterproductive in the movement, look, this is why you're hurting us. 
and this is what you need to stop doing, and this is the result of what you're doing. And if they fail to do it, I'm going to use my platform to out to destroy to them. The know and say, look, this person is this is what they're doing. Not only will I not support you if you support this person, but you won't get a dime from me, and you won't ask me to speak at your event. I will deny it. That's what we have to do. We gotta and, stop. And I, and I'm I'm right there with you, and I, I'm I'm, about, I'm telling you, you're gonna see how right there I am with you in just a couple of days. I assure you. I want to drop. <laughs> okay, I want to tell you my three things. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. colorblind would have been on my list, but you used it, so I put an insert there. Yeah, but yeah, please stop telling people you're colorblind. Both of us think that those are equally ignorant. Okay. Right. So don't do that. Um. The second, okay, so the first thing on my list would be stop being a crybaby, okay? Democrats don't like you, okay? They're going to say bad things about you. Stop going on the news, stop getting on the blogs and all of these publications and crying like a baby because you got called a name. Black (laughs) people do not respect crybabies, and you must exude and show them strength. Stop acting like Babies, stop crying. Right. Okay, the second thing, party of Reagan. This has nothing to do with Ronald Reagan, okay? It has zero to do with Ronald Reagan. It has everything to do with the fact that you think that the Republican Party started with Ronald Reagan. It did not. And what it, what you take away from the Republican Party by making it start with Reagan is the actual things that Abraham Lincoln stood for, what men like Frederick Douglass stood for, though not in political terms, but definitely in principle terms, what men like Booker T. Washington stood for. We were just talking about the um, the bullet uh, the bullet or the ballot speech by Malcolm X. You know what I'm saying? What he was talking about was the democratic betrayal. So when you start with your you as the party of Reagan, it prevents you from getting the black community because it prevents you from learning the history of the Republican Party. That's it. That's it. Okay. That's it. Then you don't know the history of the Republican Party. You know the history of Ronald Reagan. And therefore, you cannot go into a, uh, the black community and defend the Republican Party, because you know nothing about it outside of Reagan. Stop. And the third thing I would say is the damn plantation. You are slaves (laughs) on a plantation. Okay, now these are the same people that cry when the liberals call them names. And then they want to talk to a black person and say, you're a slave. That is calling someone a name. Okay? That makes you a hypocrite. It makes you just like them. It makes them, it makes you no different. And on top of that, you're wrong. See, slavery, you were put in chains and you were made by force. This shit that's happening in our communities, this is chosen. You choose this by voting for it. That's not slavery. That is serfdom. That is, they have convinced you that this is your place, your plot in life, and you cannot move out of that place. 
That is not slavery. That is not plantation. That is serfdom. And serfdom comes with a totalitarian government regime. I don't care if it's one person or if, or if it's a Congress that looks like they're in power, or, and they're really not. And they don't run anything. They have no power, no constraints. Those are the things that come with serfdom. And that's what I wish you could hear my clap. I wish you could hear my clap. I wish you could hear it. Well, I will take it. And the reason I think that this is so important, because every single, most of the black conservatives, and and people know how I feel. I'm going to call, I like the Carlton Banks and Will Smith um, analogy, okay? <laughs> So what if they're Carlton, and so what if I'm Will? We're cousins. We still love each other. We go through right. good. We go through bad. We disagree. Right. We we have, you know what I'm saying? We have each other's back. But I'm going to call you out when you need to be called out because That's I right. like Sarah Palin. So I'm I'm good with the idea of still sharpening steel. You right. know, you, you sharpen me. You make me better. So that's what that's what I see it as. As you come in to the Republican Party saying we're trying to make you better because you failed, and I ask them all the time, "Aren't you tired of getting your ass kicked? Like that you go and knock you go and knock on a thousand doors to lose. Aren't right. you tired of that? What is the definition of insanity? Same thing and that's what Republicans do. That's it. Over that's it. and over and over and over. Well, we're getting ready to run out of time because we only had an hour to run our mouth, and you run your mouth just as much as I run my mouth, so we've eaten up that entire hour. But hour. I say one thing. Uh, I like we. one thing we have in common definitely is that we understand that the politics have to come second. That's right. And and I hope you can see uh, uh, by this interview that I value you as a person. Um, and oh, thank invite you, you in, Likewise. Inviting you in to the team and everything, you, that's to us is a big deal because we don't do it lightly. And um, and I'm, I'm just really happy to have you, um, have you uh, as a part of Change the Game. So we know what our three focuses are at Change the Game. What are the three things that you would like to bring most to the black community? And we, we talked a lot about what we want to do for conservatism. Right. Right. What are right. the so three things you want to bring to the black community? The first thing that we got to do is change education. And so I'm a big supporter of school choice. I have been trying to work with Democrats that are elected in black communities to get them to support school choice. Uh, especially in my home state, the state of Texas, so they would understand that if we can change the education system, um, then we can change things that are being taught in these schools and make these schools compete because we deserve the same quality of education as any other person. And so that's the first thing. We've got to start on the economy, and that means going into these communities and making sure that we are creating we're inspiring business people. You know, when I look at drug dealers, even though it's negative, you would be surprised on some of the things that they do that are basically identical to businessmen. Even though it's negative and it's illegal, if you look at the principles and the things that they're applying, they will make great businessmen. And so what I'm saying is take the gifts that God used, 
uh, has given these people and trained them how to use it for good. Uh, And the last final thing is to make sure that these people get jobs. And that's making sure that we're not trying to raise the minimum wage because I believe the moment that we're doing it, it's going to hurt the minority community the worst. But we need to make sure that we're not just giving them jobs, but we're teaching them how to get these jobs and how to be business people and how to go into a job interview and get those jobs. All right, then, that's the, um, Lawrence, Billy, Jones, sorry, I was going to call you Billy the whole interview just to kind of make you mad, <laughs> but I, I figured, I figured it gets that, I, I figured calling you an Oreo and an Uncle Tom earlier was enough. Hey, I, I wear my title with pride. All right, well, you are B.I.G. in our book. Thank you so much for coming through and hanging with me, Sonny Johnson, on K.I.R.P. Radio Show. Hey, rest your voice. We love you, babe. Back next week. K-I-R-P Radio!